You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the TechSmart REI podcast. Brandon Hall and Thomas Costelli here. And today we're going to be answering frequently asked questions we get about the short-term rental loophole. We get questions all the time from our Facebook group members uh, to our clients, uh, people who come into the TechSmart insiders community on the live Q&As. They ask questions about this stuff. So we're going to go ahead and answer a handful of these today. And you know, something uh, also I wanted to mention is I just released a new short-term rental course that breaks down everything you need to know about the short-term rental loophole to save five to six figures in taxes. I have everything in there. I have everything you need. And we thought about prices. We're like, you know what? This is probably worth like a thousand bucks, but you know what? We want as many people to use the short-term rental loophole as possible. So we're giving it away for only $249. So if you want to get access to the course, it's live right now. You can get it anytime you watch it, anytime you want. It's available 24-7 on demand. Uh, www.courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. Again, it's www.courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. If you want to check out the STR uh, course, go ahead and check that out over there. Uh, But we're going to dive in right after a quick word from Landlord Studio. If you're a do-it-yourself landlord managing rental properties, Landlord Studio is made for you. The software helps landlords simplify income and expense tracking. With their easy-to-use app, you can digitize receipts, record income and expenses in real time, generate reports, and even manage leases and tenants. Plus, Landlord Studio makes late rental payments and bank visits a problem of the past with secure online rent collection. Get the rent paid directly to your bank account, and you can even automate rent reminder emails and late payment fees. Landlord Studio is also the best way to stay tax compliant. They offer a range of financial reports, including Schedule E and supplier expense reports designed for tax time. You can learn more about Landlord Studio and start your 14-day free trial at landlordstudio.com CPA and use the coupon code REALESTATECPA at checkout to get 25% off your plan. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA and use the code REALESTATECPA to get 25% off your plan today. All right, we're back. And you know what? Short-term rentals, always a lot of great questions we have about those. And you know, one of the ones we get a lot is, can the guest, the same guest, book the property stay after stay? And can you still use the short-term rental loophole? Like, In other words, can the same guest just sign multiple leases back to back to back and still be able to use the loophole? My understanding is not back to back, right? Right, right. Because it's... But if you put a gap in between there, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if you put a gap in between, so or was it back to back? Because we researched this. Which one right, was it? <laughs> Right. And we cover this in the course too, by the way. I remember recording it. So the way it works is it has to be continuous and recurring, right? So continuous would be if the customer has the right to use the property on a continuous basis. And continuous would be, okay, if you sign one lease versus to say four days, right? And then you sign another lease for four days. Now you're doing back-to-back leases. Well, technically within that eight-day period, they have a consecutive, right? They have a continuous use because through that eight-day period, they still had the same customer, still had the same consecutive use. And all the other one was recurring, but kind of the research showed that the recurring 
for example, say someone rented it out in March, right? Um, I think that was the example that was used. You rent it out in March, but then you rent it out again in August. Well, is that recurring or is that two separate stays at that point? And I think what was discovered is that it would not be considered continuous and recurring. Right. So because what I had originally thought was that originally being a while ago was that if somebody comes in in March and then later comes in in November, even though there's two separate stays, you combine them because it's the same customer. However, that's incorrect. Right. It's still two separate stays. But what is the, uh, didn't we do something with Justin recently or, or a couple months ago where he he was kind of looking at what happens if it's week to week to week to week? Is that still all one stay right. or is it? Right, right. And I think what was found is that if it's week to week to week to week, it's the customer still has the right to continuously use the property, right? For that period of time, because they're continually signing a lease, giving them the right on a continuous basis to use the property. You know, and so also you have to go substance over form, right? And that's what the IRS looks at sometimes. They're going to look at substance over form. And the reality of the situation is if you sign a back to back to back lease on a week to week basis, you still have continuous use of the property. Um, yeah. So this the same customer still has the right to use the property. Yeah. You know, and one thing I throw in here is remember when you're using the short term rental loophole, it is a loophole. The rules were designed for hotels. And while we have all the citations and everything, we do outline that all in the course, just understand that this is a slightly aggressive strategy to begin with. And you don't want to get too cute. Matt Rappaport, the GOAT, the GOAT attorney always says about certain strategies, you don't want to get too cute. You want to kind of play it by the book when you can so that uh, you know, you're just not open yourself up for all types of scrutiny. So kind of the bottom line here is you can't sign consecutive back-to-back leases with the same guest to use a short-term rental loophole that would void you because they would have the continuous right to do that. And it's not been battle tested or anything like that yet, but I would be very, very, I would not do that. Let me just say Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I also did just find our very lengthy back and forth with us and our very brilliant tax advisors on our team. Uh, and you're right. If you have a continuous or recurring right to use the property, then that's just one period of customer use. So if you can separate the stays up, then those are two separate stays. And I guess we should explain why this is even important. Right. <laughs> right. We didn't explain why this is important. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so what ends up happening is, right, to use a short-term rental loophole, you need to have a stay under seven days, right? That's what you need to do. And what some people do is they'll have a nurse or they'll have a traveling doctor or something along those lines, and they'll need to stay at the property for you know, 30 to 60 days or 90 days or whatever the case is. And they're trying to use the short-term rental loophole. And they're like, okay, well, if I sign consecutive back-to-back-to-back leases, does that help me get around that, right? Get around if, okay, we just signed whatever it is divided by 60. If we signed those amount of leases, can we get around that? That's kind of the crux of the question. Right, right. Because you're you're looking for an average stay of seven days or less. And if you achieve that, then you don't have a rental property under Section 469, which means you don't need to be a real estate professional to claim losses. Uh, there's a lot more to it. So don't just you know run with that and call it a day. But the real question here is, how do I achieve an average of seven days or less? And when I have somebody that's staying for a month, you know that's one stay for 30 days, that's going to move my average above seven, potentially seven days or less, which could blow up this entire strategy for me 
So that's where the whole question comes in as, well, can I just have this one person who's staying for 30 days sign four weekly leases? And the answer is no, you cannot. Right, right. The bottom line here is you cannot sign back-to-back leases. Don't do that. You're not going to be able to use the short-term rental loophole if you do that. So another question we often get is if you co-own a short-term rental with a partner, can you still deduct the losses against your active income? Very interesting question. The short answer is yes, you can, but it's not not easy for both partners to achieve or multiple partners to achieve on a short-term rental. Right. So so if if Tom and I partnered on a beach home, which we will one day. <laughs> so if we partner on a beach home, we'll set up an LLC, multi-member LLC. We'll take 50% each. We'll buy a million dollar beach home. We'll cost segment 200K of losses are going to flow through to the LLC. We each get 100K. The question is, can we both claim that $100,000 as non-passive or I guess in this situation, active uh, losses? And the answer is that it depends on each one of our individual situations, right? So you you don't decide this at the LLC level. I would get a K-1 showing $100,000 tax loss. Tom would get a K-1 showing $100,000 tax loss. And then we, with our own separate advisors or doing it ourselves because we're CPAs, we would determine if we qualify to claim that $100,000 tax loss. Um, and, he, and Tom could qualify and I could not. We could both qualify. I could qualify. He could not. Or neither one of us could qualify. So it very, very much depends on the individual activity. So how much you versus your partner participate in the activity. Right, right. And it's important to understand, just highlight there again, because a lot of people get confused with this on, on the Facebook group. I know I answer this question all the time. It's not determined at the partnership level. Like Brennan just said, your ability to take the losses as non-passive is determined at the individual level on your individual tax return based on whether or not you individually materially participated. And the way to do the only real way to do that, if you own one short-term rental, okay, if you own one short-term rental with just a partner. The only way to do that is to spend more than 500 hours each because you're not going to be able to use any of the other material participation tests. Uh, you're only going to be able to use the 500-hour test. So if you have one short-term rental with one partner, just understand that both of you would need to spend more than 1,000 hours on the activity combined. And I know there's some short-term rentals have more work than long-term rentals for sure, but I would find it, unless you're doing extensive renovations to the property, I find it hard to believe that you're actually going to each be able to achieve more than 500 hours on the property. So the short answer here is it's possible. You know, it is definitely possible to do, but it's unlikely to do if you just have one short-term rental between you and your partner. Yeah. All right. The next question we always get, <laughs> and this question is always interesting. Um, so I go to the bank and the bank, I'm going to buy my short-term rental property and the bank gives me a loan. The bank calls it a second home loan or a vacation home loan. Can I still use a short-term rental loophole? if the bank gives me a second home loan on my short-term rental? No, you can't use the short-term rental loophole. And if the bank gives you vacation home loan... <laughs> yeah, you're SOL. Yeah. You're done. Yeah, you're toast. <laughs> it's game over for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. Yeah, look, look, taxes and financing are two different things as it pertains to this. So the short-term rental loophole is... I always struggle to say loophole. You know, I, like, I don't know. Yeah, I just... I don't like that word. But anyway, the short-term rental loophole is found in section 469 of the tax code. So section 469 is really what you are you need to be concerned with as to whether or not you can claim the losses coming from your short-term rental activity 
as non-passive losses. And when I say non-passive, I mean, you know, active, I guess, quote, somewhat similar to active uh, type income. Non-passive income is my W-2 income, business income, that type of thing. So if I have non-passive losses, then I can offset that type of income. Back to the lending, there's nothing in Section 469 that says, hey, if your loan is categorized as a second home loan or vacation home loan, then you don't qualify for Section 469. Nothing to do with it. Right. So the tax code does not care about what type of loan your the bank categorizes, like Brent said. What tax code does care about is do you have a residence or not, right? Is it a residence? Okay. So you're going to have a residence if you stay at the property for the greater of 14 days or 10% of the days rented. If you do that, your property is now a residence. And the expenses that your property generates, including the depreciation expense, is going to be limited to the income, you know, uh, bottom line there, more or less, limited to the income that your property generates. So you cannot create a loss if you have a residence. But if you don't have a residence, then you're good to go. And again, the IRS doesn't say, oh, well, you have a second home loan, your property's residence. No, they, they look at how much is used personally and, if you, and how much is rented out, right? And if you use, like I just said, if it's not a residence, you're good to go. Additionally, another question we get along those lines is, can you still deduct the interest? And the answer is yes, too. You could still deduct the interest despite the fact that the bank categorizes a home loan um, because you used ultimately the debt proceeds for business purposes in buying your short-term rental. Uh, the interest, the mortgage interest is still tax deductible and it would generally be tax deductible on Schedule E and not Schedule C. That's another myth. But we cover that in the short-term rental course in more details on how you report and where you report the short-term rental. But anyway, we do have another question so real estate professional status versus short-term rental, right? What is better and why might I decide to use one over the other? Uh, that's another question. People often get tripped up over these two because they are they kind of give you similar benefits, but not quite the same path to getting there. So it's important to understand that Section 469 of the Internal Revenue Code is there to prevent landlords from using rental losses to offset their regular income. Okay. So if I have a W-2 job or, or I'm running a business like I am at the CPA firm, Section 469 is meant to prevent me from taking $100,000, putting it into rental real estate, and then claiming a big tax loss after I cost second bonus depreciate it. So the idea is to or what Section 469 does is it takes all these rentals and it throws it over into this separate sort of bucket of income. I often refer to it as the passive bucket of income. And, and you can't move it out of the passive bucket of income unless you qualify as a real estate professional, meet one of the other exceptions like just selling my property or the 150K rule, which we're not going to cover right now, or if I have a short-term rental. So the main difference between the short-term rental and the real estate professional status is that they achieve the same thing in the sense of we don't have a rental that's passive. So if I qualify as a real estate professional, I don't have a rental that's passive. If I qualify for the short-term rental loophole, I don't have a short-term rental that's passive. It's now non-passive. And that's good because the non-passive losses that are generated from the rental activity will offset my non-passive income, like my CPA firm net income. So that's a good thing because I get the tax optimization today. But the main difference between real estate professional status and short-term rentals is that real estate professional status requires that you spend more time in real estate than you do anywhere else. And if you have a full-time W-2 job or if I'm running a business full-time, I can't spend more time in real estate than my full-time W-2 job. And you might say you can, but the reality is, is that the IRS nor the tax court is going to buy that story. So 
if you have a full-time job or you're running a business full-time and you have long-term rentals and you're trying to qualify as a real estate professional, you're not going to qualify as a real estate professional. But with the short-term rentals, you can you don't have to qualify as a real estate professional to make your short-term rentals non-passive. You do have to materially participate, which we go over in that course that Tom mentioned at the beginning, so go check that out. But as long as you materially participate in your short-term rental activities, again, real estate professional status is out of the picture. As long as you materially participate in your short-term rental activities, you can offset your W-2 income and your, your business income because that short-term rental activity at that point will be considered non-passive. 100%. So if you want to learn how to use a short-term rental loophole, the ins and outs of it, how to materially participate, how to really turn up your depreciation expense to basically be able to maximize your losses you can take against your, your non-passive income, like your W-2 or business income, I outline all of this in the course. I outline how to track time so that you can defend yourself in the event of an audit. I outline how to materially participate the do's and don'ts. And I have some bonus modules in there as well. I think I'm going to be creating a new bonus module just for the just just for some extra extra um, <laughs> extraness, I guess you could say the word would be, and that's going to be on relevant task court cases. So I'm going to throw that in there. And there's a bunch of good stuff in there, a lot of extra little bonus things. We have our short-term rental time tracker in there. We have uh, referrals to cost segregation companies that you can go ahead and use to increase that depreciation expense. So we go through all of that again. If you want to check that out, it's www.courses. TaxSmartInvestors.com short-term rental course only two forty-nine, and if you use it properly, I could guarantee. I can't guarantee you, but I could. I, I could say that if you use it properly, uh, that you're going to save well in excess of that two hundred fifty dollars. And if you already have short-term rentals, it's going to be tax deductible too. So, I mean, the reality of the situation is, if you look at the tax savings you could get from it if you use it properly, it's it's well in excess of the cost. www.courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. We'll link that up into the description. But before we go, also wanted to let you know about uh, Twitter, right? So we have Twitter accounts now. We're posting on Twitter on a daily basis. I'm posting on uh, building wealth and reducing tax for real estate investors. I sometimes I throw some stock stuff in there too because I'm not a real estate purist. So if you want to learn more about that, check that out at Thomas Castelli underscore on Twitter.com. And Brandon has one as well. It's at Hall CPA on Twitter. Uh, we'll link both of those into the descriptions. And uh, until next time, happy investing. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients. And with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.